Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. He's in jail, about ready to die on his, on his, you know, on his final days. He says, you know what I want? I want a coat. I want a cloak. I'm cold. Uh, it's hard to, hard, it's hard to do anything cold. I'm in here freezing. And then bring me my scriptures, man. Bring me my, bring me my scrolls. Bring me my copies of the word. And I'm just reading this thinking like, and Paul knows he's getting ready to meet the Lord. He says, you know, I, I want, I want to continue to read. I want to soak it up. I want to take in the word. Bring me my, bring my parchment. Bring my scrolls. Bring me the word of God. Bring me that. That's what I want to be doing. What would you say is the level of commitment you have to regularly read in the Word of God? For many believers, there comes a point where our commitment or passion for God's Word often dulls after reading through it so many times. Not with Paul. In today's message, Pastor Bill reflects on Paul's passion for Scripture, who even in knowing he was soon to die, still desired the Word. In his study, you'll learn the importance of reading the Bible regularly, even if you know you're about to be in God's presence. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4, as he continues his message, Paul's Relationships. Imagine within a church, if everybody was just about the work, and someone comes in and they're crushed and something bad happened, it's like, later for that, we got to get these chairs set up, this stuff done, you'd be like, they over there in the corner crying their face off. And it's like, well, after we get these chairs, you know, we, we, we need somebody to keep working, but do we have anybody to go and say, hey, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and go and we'll be out back for the next three hours loving on this person. We need both. If everybody left the work to go do that and then this, this, then we wouldn't be able to do this. So you kind of need both people. And so Paul and Barnabas divide over this issue. Barnabas then hooks up with Silas. I'm sorry. Paul hooks up with Silas and they go to continue the work. The mission goes great. Barnabas is back pouring into his nephew. And we don't hear much for a long time as he just building them up, ministering to them. But at the end of Paul's life right here, Paul says, hey, John Mark, can you send them to me? He's useful to me for the ministry. Things have changed. That kid that I rejected, that kid that I said, nah, I don't want him right now. Right now, at the end of, at the end of his life, as Paul is calling people and putting them in their places and sending them to do works, he says, could you bring Mark with you? He's useful to me. He's useful to me for the ministry. So I just want to speak a little bit about reconciliation in the body, because in the body of Christ, sometimes there are divisions. Sometimes there are times where relationships get broken up and there may be there may have been moments where, you know, it's like hey, we can't we can't continue on like this. And people feelings get hurt and they get mad. What if John Mark would have said, I'm not coming to help you now. Oh, now I'm useful to the ministry now. You know, uh, I don't think that that was Mark's attitude, you know, and. Paul could have felt like, no, once you mess up with me, it's over. And I just think on both ends, you know, Paul had to come to a point where he says, hey, I'm not holding you back today for what you did way back then. I see that you've grown. And Mark had to be in a place where he said, hey, I'm I'm glad that we can be reconciled and I can be useful now. So neither one of them could be in a place where they were holding grudges or kind of leaving somebody where they were. Because everybody here, are we not all a work in progress? Everybody here is making progress. We're going forward in our walk with the Lord. I, I surely am not what I used to be. Um, I can look back at times where I did things completely wrong um, in ministry. I can look back over my life and see some things that I did. And it's like, man, uh, that was not the right way to do it. You know, I did that wrong. Um, you know, when I did high school ministry, um, you know, and this is something that I had to you know, deal with later. But if anybody ever came, I, I was I was very, very protective of the girls it's high school ministry. Girls are 
no offense, but high school girls just kind of dumb and gullible. High school boys are dumb too, but the girls just seem like they need the extra protection, you know, and so there would be times where you have guys that are not in high school and they wanted to come around and it was like, I, I was shutting that down. I was shutting it down I was, and I was mean about it. I was, I, at that moment, I'm, I'm like they daddy. And if I feel like you coming in here trying to take one, it's not gonna, I'm not nice about it. I wasn't, I wasn't even Christian about it as I look back on it. There were guys that I escorted out and I did it in a very threatening way. I did it in a, hey, you just need to, and I just talked to them. I just, I like, I went gangbanger and I went back in and preached my message. And, um, <laughs> And I and look at the time. I felt like that's what that's what you know. Somebody got to do it. I, I think he wasn't right. And I remember as time would go by, it was a couple of these guys that I ran out like that. And I would, they still were around the church, and they grown up, and they're young adults now. And I'm seeing that they've come along, and I'm like, I remember, I remember, <laughs> I, remember I got up in his face, and I remember I spoke to him like this, and God was like, was that really the? I mean, is there another way you could have you could have handled that? Another way you could have? Yeah, it was. I had to repent. There are a couple of guys I went to say, hey, you know. I didn't appreciate what you was trying to do at all. I ain't taking that back, but I, I, don't, I, I know it wasn't right how I came at you. And I had it happen from within the ministry where somebody's serving with me who was an adult. And I made it very clear, if you're a man and you serve me in high school, you better either have your own woman, but if you like high school girls and I find out, you out. You can't be here with me. And I had a guy that was in and he was serving with me and he started to like one of the girls and I'm like, I'm just noticing it and I'm, pre- I'm pretty, pretty observant. So I'm like, hmm. I, I know what I'm looking at right now. So I pulled her aside first, and I'm like, hey, is there something going on with you do? Well, we had talked a couple times. Oh, he has your number? Okay, text you? Okay. Wow, that's broken, broken, broken. Broken rules. I take him aside. I say, hey, bro, is anything happening with you? No, no. Okay, you guys don't talk or nothing? No. You don't text or nothing? Give me a phone. And um, he lied. So I, because he lied, I sinned again. I went bad. I kicked him out. I was, I was ready to kick him out the whole church, you know, and, um, you know, I... Just, just, I handled them rough. And God's like, hey, there's, there's, there's a place for being protective and careful, but you still got to be Christian about it. And, and again, some of these people right now, they've gone on in the Lord. They're in ministry. You know, um, uh, one of them, you know, I took a long time before I, I made reconciliation. This is why I bring all this up. Uh, one of the individuals that did that very thing and I kicked them out and I was real mean and harsh and rough with them. And I just was like, man, you just don't come back and I don't want to restore. I don't want to. You won't be restored. You can never come back. Just go to church if you gonna go to church, whatever. And this person years went by and then they added me on Facebook and they'd be looking at my stuff on Facebook. And then I just sent a note out one day and this person said they just wanted to meet. And for them, they was it was emotional. They just wanted that reconciliation. And I realized I, I not only I had been. I had been rough, but I had held back something that they were wanting to be. For, they wanted to. They knew they were forgiven by God, but they were wanting to have a, a, a. They cared for the relationship being restored. I was so convicted over that. Like man, I, like I, I held someone in suspense from. Like they're at peace now that I said I forgive you, and you don't think that you matter sometimes that much to people, but just consider your relationships and how. Like, do you, do you, are you holding that? You have, are you holding someone in a place where they're like, man, I'm, I'm at, I'm, I'm lacking peace because of you. How you feel about me, how you spoke to me, how you, um, I just think it's important that we, that's something I, I'm confessing this to you. I did these things as a pastor. So if y'all are doing them, I don't want y'all to feel like I'm beating up on you, but I am aware that God showing me that it's not okay to don't can't leave stuff like that. You got to want to be at peace with people. Um, you want to walk in agape love and, yeah, there are times where you got to toe the line and tell someone no and no, you can't be here. But even in that, there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it that still says, hey, I love you. 
There's a way to do it that says, hey, this is this is the road map. This is the direction back to, you know, there's always an opportunity for restoration. Any kind of church discipline, the goal of any discipline is that people would be restored. Uh, they would get back to a place and be restored. And so that has to always be given out with it. And so, again, as I'm reading Paul's letters and I'm looking at the different people that have gone out, he says, man, Mark, man, bring him back. He's useful to me for the ministry. That wasn't how I felt about him back then, but that's how I feel about him now. And so it just gives people room to grow. And I'm sure that was a very healed that, that it was a healing time for for Mark um, as he would read this letter. If you want to read the scenarios and the things that took place, you guys could look at Acts 13, um, 13, 13 and Acts 15, 36 to 39. And so moving on now to verse 12, it says, and Tychicus. I have sent to Ephesus. Not a common name, but Tychicus was someone that Paul had sent him out um, to Ephesus. It's believed that he was out there, that he had had been responsible for delivering several letters for Paul. Um, He's spoken of in Ephesus, Ephesians 6.21, and Colossians 4.7, and also in Titus uh, 3.12. And so he looks like he's a guy that Paul was having go and deliver for him. Hey, would you take this letter here? and Would you take this over there? And so he says, hey, Tychicus, I, I sent him to Ephesus. Just letting people know, this is, I sent him out there. He's out there on a mission. Verse 13, Paul says, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come and the books, especially the parchments. And so Paul's in prison. Um, he gets to here is a, maybe the first time where he's actually said, hey, bring me something. And I want you to notice what he asked for. Right. He's in prison. Uh, he's in the, the we believe it's a dark, damp you know, the low part of prison. They didn't, they weren't treating him real good where he was. And (coughs) Paul had a cloak. Um, We don't have cloaks today, but a a cloak would have been like an outer coat. Um, One that, you know, your head goes through almost like a, uh, like a cape more so, but your head goes through it and it comes around. It's something to keep you warm. And Paul had a cloak and he had left it with this dude carpus. And so I was thinking of that and it, it, as I was reading earlier, it seems like when Paul was captured or taken, whatever stuff he had with him, he gave it off the carpets. It'd be like if you got pulled over and you're getting ready to go to jail and you got a buddy with you like, hey man, um, hey, take my cell phone, a little bit of money, give it to my wife. You just hand them off what you had on you right then and there and left it in his care. And so we at least could gather that carpets either was trustworthy or he was the only one available to hand to Paul to get this stuff to. Either way, he's got Paul's stuff with him. And Paul says, would you send me a cloak so we could assume that he was cold. He's in prison. He didn't say, bring me 10 blankets, you know, to bring me a cloak. And then he says to him, um, the, the books and especially the parchments. It's believed that at this point, Paul said, man, bring me, bring me my books. And the parchments would have been uh, copies of Old Testament scripture. He's in jail, about ready to die on his, on his you know, on his final days. He says, you know what I want? I want a coat. I want a cloak. I'm cold. Uh, it's hard to hard it's hard to do anything cold. I'm in here freezing. And then bring me my scriptures, man. Bring me my bring me my scrolls. Bring me my copies of the word. And I'm just reading this, thinking like, and Paul knows he's getting ready to meet the Lord. He says, you know, I, I want I want to continue to read. I want to soak it up. I want to take in the word. Bring me my bring my parchments. Bring me my scrolls. Bring me the word of God. Bring me that. That's what I want to be doing. My last little period here. My last little time on earth. Would you bring me those things? You know, I I was looking at this. You know, there's. People's strange requests, you know, before they die or they're executed in our prisons. Everybody gets a a final request, a final meal, 
they get to make a final phone call and they can make a final statement. And so there was a collection of these and just looking at the things that people asked for, requested, wanted, you know, some very strange, you know, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't want McDonald's before I die, but somebody wanted a, they wanted Mickey D's nuggets, I mean, real nuggets, you know, like, <laughs> I guess you're going to die anyway, you're going to eat some unhealthy stuff, you know, um, some real strange requests, but I'm, I'm looking at Paul's life here and Paul says, you know what I want at the end of my life? I want to go out. I want to continue to saturate my heart and mind with the knowledge of the one that I'm getting ready to go be with. I want to spend some time reading. I want to be in the word. That's where his heart was at. I want these things that I could just have at the end. And so I read that and I think, wow, you know, what, what's, what's, my, what's, what's my reading habits like? You know, from my deathbed, am I saying, bring my Bible. I want to read my Bible some more. I want to read. I want. I want to learn a little bit more about the Jesus I'm getting ready to meet. Paul says, I, "I want my. I want my. I want my copies of the scriptures." And it's interesting. Back then, they don't have what we have. We got so many conveniences. You got the Bible on your phone. We got tablets. We got Bibles. Most of us. Most people have multiple Bibles at home. Different versions of it. Little kitty Bibles. Teenage Bibles. Grandma Bible. You know, big extra wide print Bibles. You know. Paul was, if he got the copies, he had scrolls, you had to be extra careful so you didn't break it. And, and he said, bring my copies of the scriptures. That's what I want to do with my time. And so with all that we have available, I, that's why, I mean, I encourage you guys, I challenge you guys, man, take time. That, that's, Paul said, at the end of my life, this is so still, still important, still important that I be reading. If Paul, at this point of his life, is still saying I need to read, then I know I do. I know, I know that I'm never going to arrive at the place where I say, I'm good. I got this. Paul is still reading at this point of his life. Right before he meets the Lord, I know I still need to be taking it in. Verse 14, Paul says, Alexander the coppersmith, he did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. As a, a minister of the gospel, Paul had enemies. Paul had people that didn't like him. Paul had people that came against him. Um, and if, if you're going to be involved in the work of God in any meaningful, fruitful way, you're going to have adversaries. There are going to be people that set themselves against you. There are going to be people that say, I, I disagree. I don't appreciate what you said. Um, they want to shut you down. It's just a part of the, the it's part of stepping out to serve the Lord. And so you 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 don't want to ignore it. You don't want to not be aware of it. There'll be people that appreciate your stand for God. Other Christians. There'll be people that appreciate your passion for the gospel, other believers, but there will be people that want to shut you up. They want to do whatever they can do to shut you down and to silence you and to call it to stop. Paul said, hey, at the end of my life, I need y'all to know about this Alexander, the coppersmith guy. Um, some people believe that because he was a coppersmith, he may have been in the business of making idols. And since Paul was in the business of preaching the true gospel, when people got converted, they stopped buying idols and stopped worshiping idols. That those two, we could see how those, those, those views were conflicting. They would go against one another. And so Paul said, man, this guy, Alexander the coppersmith, did me much harm. I'm going to get him. He didn't say that. He said, y'all go get him for me. He didn't say that. He says, may the Lord repay him. May the Lord repay him according to his works. And so uh, real quick, when we've been offended, when we've been done wrong as believers, I think we know this, but I'm going to tell you because everybody don't live like they know this. Y'all know we're not supposed to go get our own revenge, right? Do y'all know that? Do y'all know that? I got a couple head nods, so y'all don't know that. All right. As Christians, I'm going to tell you now, when somebody do you wrong as a believer, you're not supposed to go get your own revenge. 
I know it's very different from your life as a non-believer, right? My life as a non-believer said, if you do me wrong, I got to get you back so you know not to step to me like that. So I got to let you know. Uh, you get saved and God says, no, I, I'll handle that. Um, vengeance is mine, I will pay. And my flesh says, but Lord, if I don't do nothing, they're going to walk all over me. I got to do something. God says, no, don't do that. I, I, I'll, I'll take care of it. It's a hard thing to kind of come to grips with because everybody here that got a little bit of flesh, your flesh is going to be saying, no, you got to do something. You can't just let that go. Your flesh is going to be screaming for something. Some, just say something at least. You know, give them a little, let them know a little bit, you know. And God is saying, hey, I'll take care of it. If you're writing notes, you can write down Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Um, I'll read you a, a, a little piece of this. Romans 12, Romans 12, verse 19, it says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So God said, look, when you've been done wrong, don't go get your own revenge. I'll take care of it for you. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, I'll just put this out there. If I got to get my own revenge, right, it it might not be as good as what God would do. It might not be as effective as what God would do, but this is the worst part of getting my own revenge. It usually causes me to sin. Uh, when I go to get my own revenge, anybody ever got revenge in the spirit? No. <laughs> I, ain't never been, I ain't never been filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the spirit to get revenge. It, it usually is drawn out my flesh. And so it takes the work of the Holy Spirit for you to set back. And say, God, I trust you to right my wrongs. I trust you to, vengeance is yours, you'll repay, you'll get them back, you'll deal with whatever's happened to me, and just let the Lord deal with it. And um, I know in my life, uh, there have been different times where I wanted to go and fix things, and I wanted to go and make things right, and, and I, it was a slow process of learning that, no, God, God will take care of you if you get out the way. If you go step in ball, get yourself involved, you're going to be in trouble. Um, the... Second job I had as a Christian was at this uh, telescope company in Torrance. And as I worked there, um, it was a it was a difficult environment. The positive environment aspect of the environment was I had a I had a radio at my workstation building telescopes and I was listening to, to the I was listening to Bible studies all day. So I was getting edified and built up. The negative aspect of it was the environment in the workplace was I was one. I was the only black person there. Um, and it made for, not everybody was not tripping off of that, but there were some people that made that an issue. And so it was uncomfortable. When it came time for break, it was like, I've been breaking by myself. Uh, then I met another guy there that was a Christian and me and him would just link up every time at break. And that was my one person to kick it with and hang out with at break time. Um, but it was, a, the environment was weird. And um, I didn't realize this, that that company, they were in trouble. They were, a company wanted to buy them out but the company that wanted to buy them out came and said, y'all aren't diverse enough. And so it's a good chance that I even got the job because I was black and I was part of their getting things more diverse program. And then I kept getting promoted because probably I was part of their get the company more diverse and move people up. So now I don't know this when I first get there. I'm thinking like God is, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm praising God. Like I got favor on me. I've been here 30 days. I get a promotion and a raise. But what that did to everybody here was made them hate me more. They already wasn't fond of me. Now they're like, how'd he get that? I've been here three months. They've been here three years and I get the thing. I don't know. I'm just at break like, I don't know. 
the favor of God, favoring fair. I ain't tell, I ain't say no mess like that, but you know, that's how it felt. And, and I kid you not, I went from building telescopes. It was the entry level, no, no qualification to get the job, but just can you screw and move stuff, you know? Then a guy in the warehouse got a DUI. And so the uh, opening opened up in the warehouse and it was more of a over other people in the warehouse. And there were other people that had been in the warehouse and they said, hey, are you, you, would you like that job? I'm like, yeah, this pays more. It's a, sure, I want that job. Boom, I got that job. So now I'm in the warehouse with people in there that they're not really exactly happy that I'm here either. And so as, I, as I'm in the warehouse, I'm like, I'm, I'm saying, God, I'm going to just be a good witness here. I'm going to be a witness for you. And there were these guys there. Um, one of them is a, one that was having another black dude. He was a comedian or he was a wannabe comedian. He was trying to be a comedian. And I got drawn into this thing with these guys. And I remember I almost snapped, I almost blew my hole and almost had a fight at work. They, these guys start asking me because I'm trying to share the gospel and I'm trying to be a witness. And the guy was like, man, so you really believe the Bible? I'm like, yeah. And he leads me down this road of questions, but he's, I didn't realize after it that he had a punchline involved. So he was leading me down this road to basically to clown me. And so he's like, so you believe this? And what about this? And he's going about knowing the ark. And I'm, I don't want to be gross on a Sunday morning with you guys. But he, he starts leading me down this way. And I'm, and I'm thinking like, I'm, I'm having an opportunity. I'm answering this question. Another guy's listening. We get all to the end of his thing. And then he says this little punchline. And I realized that I've been, basically I've been clowned. And it was a joke the whole time. Everything in my flesh Wanted to just, I wanted to fire on him because I'm like, you don't even know who I am. You, you're only doing this. You don't know what I was. You don't know who I am. That's what my flesh tells me. When I, when I start struggling with my flesh, my flesh says, they don't know who you are. They, they only doing that because they think you're just a Christian. They don't know what you used to be. But if you sock them one time, then they would know that what you used to be and they won't do that no more. You got to let them know a little bit. And I'm sitting there and I got this look on my face. And this is how it happened. Because I'm just sitting there with this look on my face like, don't say nothing. That's, that's my salvation, just don't say nothing. Like, don't say a word right now, because if I say a word, I'm going to be sinning. So the supervisor walks down at that moment, sees my face, and she says, come upstairs. I'm like, no, nah, I'm in trouble. I ain't even do that. You know, so I walk upstairs, she says, what just happened right there? I'm like, I ain't going to say nothing. She's like, no, something just happened. I've never seen you look like that. You were mad. I'm like, I'm not saying nothing. And she's like, what did he say? What I'm like, just nothing, it just stuff, it happened, it's just, I'm over, I'm not saying nothing, I'm not telling. And so I come to work the next day, this guy is emptying his place, and he got demoted uh, to, a, to the mail room, and I remember just, I watched him get demoted, put in the mail room, and I'm like, I didn't say nothing, I didn't say, he said this to me, and, 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 it, and it, it, was, it wasn't that it was satisfying to see this guy lose something, but I remember as I was there, the Lord just said, you just keep your mouth shut. Like, I'm, I'm taking care of you. And interestingly, in his humble state, having had whatever happened, he was a whole lot more open to the, we had more exchanges afterwards. And all I could think about was had I done it in my flesh, I'd have probably been out of a job. Mika was pregnant with Harmony. Um, it was like, you know, I would have ruined my testimony and, and, and whatever favor or whatever the reason I was getting hooked up at this job was, you know, um, would have all been for naught. And I just realized that my flesh, my flesh, it is not, the Bible says in your flesh is how many good things? No good thing. Your flesh can't produce nothing good. Nothing. And so revenge is one of those things. It's, it's part of human nature. You know, in the Old Testament, you, Jesus had to put a limit. He says, hey, eye for an eye. You know why he did that? Because if he didn't give a limitation, he said, eye for an eye, if you took my eye, I'm taking both of your eyes. He's just one for one. Don't, don't, don't go exceeding the, the measurements. But in the New Testament, he said, look. 
Vengeance is mine. I'll repay. Leave it up to me. So if you're a vengeful person, if you find you always out there getting people back, you got to let people know. Understand this. You can never get revenge in the spirit. You always got to be in the flesh when you're getting people back. The book of 2 Timothy is our latest recorded words from Apostle Paul. It was written towards the end of his life. Although he could have slowed down, Paul never stopped serving God. He left a legacy of reaching towards the goal of heaven, and he encouraged Timothy, and by extension, you, to do the same. Are you continuing to seek ways to serve the Lord? Are you asking for his purpose to become yours and for his guidance to be all you listen to? Never let your faith plateau or even fade. God has plans for all of your life. We're so glad you tuned in today to A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill will continue his teaching through the book of 2 Timothy next time you join us. But in the meantime, you can access more of these messages at CalvaryInglewood.org and on our Calvary Chapel Inglewood app. We'd love to hear from you too. Let us know what God has been doing in your life and how we can be praying for you. Give us a call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. Would you also preferably consider supporting this ministry financially? All gifts are welcome and appreciated, no matter the size. And they help us continue to reach more and more people with the good news of the gospel message. You can find out more at CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. Thanks for praying about this. With that, our time with you is at an end for today. Thanks for tuning in to A Transforming Word.